<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here with another episode of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about how the government's illegal spy operation against me ties into the bigger picture. It's not important because it happened to me. It's important because it happened to many other innocent U.S. citizens and journalists, and I just happen to have the connections to find out about it and get the proof. The big news is that a former federal agent has now come forward and confessed to being part of the government's illegal surveillance operation against me and my family. More importantly, He's described how this unit that he was involved in spied on many innocent U.S. citizens illegally. And we've been able to now name names in a new federal lawsuit against the government, which I hope satisfies the judge. She dismissed my case earlier because she said I should have had the names of the federal agents who spied on me rather than suing John Doe's. We counter-argued that it was impossible to get the names of the exact federal agents involved because the Department of Justice had fought discovery for years. We never got a single piece of paper from them to help us learn which federal agents had access to the government IP addresses that were forensically found in my computer. We never got anything. But the case was dismissed, even with one appellate judge disagreeing, siding with us, and saying, how could we possibly have the names if we don't have discovery? But in sort of a miraculous find, we were able to get this confession from a federal agent involved and get the names. We've refiled in federal court, hoping the judge will let us reopen this case now that we have people we can say we're responsible. Now, according to this agent, the person responsible for the rogue unit and effort, the lead on all of this, was then U.S. Attorney Rod Rosenstein. Let's briefly go over the names of the other people that I'm suing that we've identified. One of them is Sean Wesley Bridges. Sean Bridges was a special agent with the U.S. Secret Service for about six years operating out of the Baltimore field office. Between 2012 and 2014, Bridges was assigned to something called the Baltimore Silk Road Task Force, which was a multi-agency group investigating illegal activity on the Silk Road. The Silk Road was a covert online marketplace for illicit goods, including drugs. Bridges was allegedly involved in the surveillance on me, and in 2015 and 2017, by the way, this Secret Service agent was convicted of corruption related to his government work and is now serving a prison sentence. We had to serve him in prison. Another defendant we've named is Robert Clark, who was also a member of the government's Silk Road Task Force. And we've named Sean Henry. Sean Henry was head of the Washington, D.C. field office for the FBI. He previously had served as the head of cybercrime at the FBI, holding the title of executive assistant director of the Criminal Cyber Response and Services Branch under FBI Director Robert Mueller. In 2012, Henry left the FBI. He's now president of CrowdStrike Services, which is a company that seeks to mitigate targeted online attacks on corporate and government networks globally, 
You might have heard of CrowdStrike because that was the firm called in by the Democratic National Committee to investigate when it said that the Russians had hacked their servers and would not give the servers to the FBI, but did give it to CrowdStrike to examine. Anyway, Sean Henry of CrowdStrike, formerly of the FBI, is also named in our lawsuit. And a man named Ryan White, who worked as an undercover informant for the Department of Justice and as a contractor operating out of the Baltimore office under a group supervised by Rosenstein. Now, while conducting work for the FBI, Secret Service, DEA, and ATF, White and others were ordered to illegally hack into computer systems, servers, emails, and phones not just of me, but of other U.S. citizens as well. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Along with the new lawsuit, I have filed a sworn affidavit from a former FBI unit chief who acknowledges he was the person who facilitated the very first forensics exam of my CBS computer uh, some years ago, which revealed the government was responsible for the intrusions. We've had that forensic proof in hand for years, and I've also filed an affidavit from one of my technical experts, a former NSA forensic expert, who also confirmed the government was responsible for the intrusion. So let's take a look at what we have. We have a confession from somebody who spied on me and worked for the federal government. We have affidavits from people who have forensically proven, in addition to the confession, that the intrusions were the work of the government. They did this through evidence such as government IP addresses found in my computer that were uninvited and unauthorized. In a neutral environment, in a normal situation, that type of stuff, forensic proof that's irrefutable, a confession from someone involved, that would be considered a slam dunk. But the complication, of course, is that the law enforcement body that should prosecute a case like this is also the one responsible for the crimes, the Department of Justice. So what is a citizen to do? That's where my civil court fight enters the picture. Going up against the government, which has an endless supply of taxpayer money to fight, obstruct, and delay, has been daunting. At the beginning of all of this, I was naive enough to believe that it was a huge accomplishment. We had the forensics in hand that undeniably proved the government was involved in the computer intrusions, I thought, that made the case a slam dunk. The Department of Justice would look at the forensics, apologize, and promise an investigation. Well, I've come to learn, of course, that no such thing happens. The Department of Justice did then and continues now to just fight, obstruct, and delay so that the proof never gets entered into court. A jury has never been able to see the evidence and will never be able to see the evidence or hear from someone who confessed to the crime if the Department of Justice doesn't want to hear it and the courts agree to obstruct and block it. It's sort of a game as to who can game the system better. Um, I think ideally, the way we like to think of our court system is a neutral judge brings in both parties, uh, maybe there's a jury there, listens to both sides, looks at the proof, and makes a decision. 
If that were how this was handled, that would be a slam dunk. We would have the proof. We would have the testimony. It's done with. The hard part is we can't even get past the stage where we can get into court to do that because there are all of these technical hurdles and obstructions that are possible and delay that's possible. You know, we can't even get discovery. Initially, we needed that to find some names. Can't even get discovery from the Department of Justice if they don't want to provide it. It's been a hard reality to deal with. But I do think even when the Justice Department will not hold its own accountable, and even with the ability to get justice in civil court is nearly impossible for an ordinary citizen, it's still worth a fight because one thing I feel I've been able to do is bring important information to light about these illegal government abuses that we now know have happened to many U.S. citizens, the least of which is me. Let's look at the big picture now. How does all of this fit in to the surveillance scandal that's now being examined by Congress and in the public and by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court? Well, I argue that if incidents like what we now know happens to me had been given more attention by those who have the power to do oversight and, quite frankly, by the press, we would never have had the situation in 2016 where the inspector general, the one appointed by Obama, by the way, found that the FBI committed egregious violations in the wiretapping and surveillance process. We now know that the FISA court, which can be expected to conduct some oversight in this very secretive process, either ignored or missed all the red flags. It was not able to find these problems. Even when this was being discussed in the public over the last couple of years, and reported widely in the press. The FISA court did nothing, at least nothing that we know of. It was only after the inspector general came up with his report a month ago or so that the FISA court ordered some level of accountability. Unfortunately, what the FISA court is ordered to have happen relies on the very people who committed the misconduct to tell them how they're going to fix it. And there's some news in that arena as well. The FISA court has just posted an order naming an anti-Trump lawyer named David Christ to assist the court in assessing the FBI's response to the court-ordered cleanup of those lapses and abuses identified by the Inspector General Michael Horowitz. To some, the appointment of Chris to help with the job of oversight is as mysterious as why the FISA court's judges failed to flag the FBI abuses on their own. It would seem to be more important than ever to have an apolitical person or maybe a balanced group of people conducting oversight of these politically sensitive matters, especially with what's happened. Chris's vocal criticisms of President Trump present numerous obvious conflicts of interest. In social media posts, Chris has called Republican Congressman Devin Nunes a, quote, politicized, dishonest intelligence community overseer who attempts to mislead. He tweeted that Trump and his advisors should be worried that, quote, the walls are closing in on him. That was regarding the Mueller probe. He was wrong about that. Chris also bought into the now disproven conspiracy theory about Trump having colluded with Russia and Putin. But even more importantly, since that time, Chris has advocated for President Trump's removal. This is the man the FISA court is turning to to help them with oversight. He tweeted, quote, do we want to be a country in which elected officials can use their government power to attack political opponents? If not, it's pretty simple. Trump has to go. That was just last October. Specifically, Chris was tweeting about 
what he said was Trump using government powers against political opponents, seeming to dismiss the possibility that the government had used its powers improperly against Trump. In addition to that, Chris writes for the anti-Trump blog Lawfare and has called Lawfare's chief, Benjamin Wittes, incisive. Now, Wittes is the man who wrote of the need for an insurance policy against Trump prior to Trump's election. Here's what Wittes said, quote, Our democracy needs a health insurance policy. The courts have a few obvious advantages, starting with hundreds of independent judges of both parties whom Trump cannot remove from office and who don't have to face his supporters in forthcoming elections. Wittes went on to write, The goal will be to offer a systemic defense of the values the coalition of all democratic forces holds in common and to have the ability to respond rapidly to actions that threaten those values, to forestall such actions in court as long as possible, to whittle them down and to block those that can be blocked. Wittes also continued, The goal is to use the courts to render Trump's anti-democratic instincts as ineffectual as possible. That was written by Benjamin Wittes of Lawfare. October 24th, 2016, Lawfare being a place where this new appointee of the FISA court to help with oversight, where he writes. And Wittes, the head of Lawfare, is also a friend of ex-FBI Director James Comey, who was referred for criminal charges for mishandling and leaking government information in his anti-Trump efforts, but the Justice Department passed up charges against Comey, saying they didn't believe Comey meant any harm. Now, the I.G. Horowitz flagged 17 mistakes in the FBI surveillance applications against Carter Page and testified that he thinks it's fair for people to look at whether this could be pure incompetence. How could it be pure incompetence, he said. Likewise, I think one could look at the FISA court's appointment of this David Chris to help fix things and wonder, could that be pure incompetence? Are they ignorant of his background or don't they care? Or is it exactly what they were looking for? I think the latest FISA court action could be construed as a moment of chilling clarity in the ongoing questions about how these abuses could have occurred and the challenges we still face with trying to fix them. In the end, there's really not much that I can do if the courts and the Department of Justice continue to fight my case. But I have put the information out there and something that we can all do is press the Trump administration and the Justice Department and the media to put pressure to investigate this so-called surreptitious unit in Baltimore under Rod Rosenstein that supposedly spied on hundreds of innocent U.S. citizens and journalists in the same way they spied on me. And I would venture a guess as to say this isn't or wasn't the only such dark operation like it that existed or exists within the government. This is really important. And there's got to be a way for us to force public officials to do their job and to hold them accountable. The reason that all of this could happen in the first place, I think, is that our elected officials, those in charge in the intelligence community, even we and the public and the media have turned a blind eye or not really stayed on the case when we had hints of abuses. And even sometimes when those abuses slapped us right in the face, such as when Edward Snowden revealed them, we would maybe get upset for a short period of time, there'd be a flurry of questions and maybe moves to do more oversight, and it would quickly fade away. In fact, we in the media have too often allowed ourselves, I think, to be distracted by shiny objects. We may start investigating the content of these alleged surveillance abuses when we learn about them, and then 
Pretty soon we're chasing other things. Well, where is Edward Snowden hiding, and did he endanger national security? And how long will Julian Assange stay holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy? And then we kind of quit looking into what I think is very important. That's the content of what they exposed. And then that opens the door for continued abuses, such as what happened in 2016. I don't think we can afford to let our attention turn away from something as important as what we're learning now. I think we really have to stay hyper-focused on it, even if our elected officials don't want to, and even if the intelligence community tries to distract us, and even if the media is not giving it enough attention in the reporting that they do. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends, and consider subscribing to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor, or visit CherylAckeson.com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Thanks for listening.